You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now a word from our sponsor, Netscope. Netscope is a worldwide leader in SASE and Zero Trust. Its unified platform, Netscope One, provides optimized access and zero trust security for people, devices, and data anywhere they go, helping customers reduce risk, accelerate performance, and get unrivaled visibility into any cloud, web, and private application activity. To learn more about how Netscope helps customers be ready for anything on their sassy journey, visit netskope.com. NSA warns that Russian state-sponsored actors are actively exploiting patched VMware vulnerabilities in the wild. A CISA alert puts Iran on notice. Death stalker hired guns are now active in North America. Darknet contraband markets are experiencing the sort of pressure and consolidation legitimate markets undergo. Rick Howard checks in with the hash table on CSO and CISO roles. My continued conversation with Betsy Carmelite from Booz Allen on their 2021 Cyber Threat Trends Report and a weird shift in North Korean propaganda. Is Pyongyang having a hallmark moment? From the CyberWire studios at Datatribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Monday, December 7th, 2020. NSA this morning published an alert concerning vulnerabilities VMware patched last week. The bugs are being actively exploited by Russian intelligence services. NSA is particularly concerned to warn federal agencies and the companies that make up the defense industrial base, but the agency's advice is also intended for any users of the affected VMware products. As is so often the case, password access is required for exploitation. NSA writes, quote, Exploiting the vulnerability requires authenticated password-based access to the management interface of the device, which is encrypted with TLS. That interface typically runs over port 8443, but it could be over any user-defined port. NSA recommends that NSS, DOD, and DIB network administrators limit the accessibility of the management interface on servers to only a small set of known systems and block it from direct Internet access. End quote. And of course, as always, patch. CISA's alert last Thursday, in which it warned of a likely increase in Iranian cyber attacks, is seen by many observers, NextGov reports, as aimed more at an Iranian audience than a U.S. domestic one. The U.S. government may be interested in reminding Iran that it's on the alert for them, that it knows what to look for, and that it's prepared for accurate, supportable attribution— and that it will leave speculation about any possible retaliation as an exercise for the audience. The large Israeli insurance firm Sherbet, at the end of last week, refused to pay the actors behind a ransomware attack the company sustained. The Times of Israel reports that Black Shadow, the criminal organization that claimed responsibility, on Friday began releasing some of the data it stole. Bitcoin.com says exchanges between attackers and victims 
include a demand for 200 Bitcoin, roughly $3.8 million, but Sherbit tells Haaretz that the motive was strategic and not financial. The data is thought by some to have been moved to Iran. Security firm Kaspersky reports that the death stalker Hackers for Hire are now working targets in North America. The group is using the Power Pepper backdoor, which itself uses DNS over HTTPS as a communication channel, the better to conceal communication with the control server behind legitimate-looking traffic. Power Pepper uses a variety of evasive techniques, including steganography, to fly below the defender's radar. Kaspersky's read on the hoods behind Deathstalker is that they're hired guns. Right now, in the United States and Canada, they've apparently been hired to gun for financial and legal services. Chain analysis looks at darknet markets and sees both consolidation and a drop in activity. The number of active markets has fallen to 37 from a high of 49. Some of the decline the researchers attribute to the same COVID-19 delivery pressures legitimate markets face, but they think the operation of market forces accounts for most consolidation. Law enforcement attention may in part be credited with the drop in transactions. Kaspersky shared some predictions with Tech Republic that the security firm thinks will have particular importance for the healthcare sector in 2021. The researchers believe attacks against developers of COVID-19 vaccines and treatments will continue, with theft of data on breakthroughs being at a premium. They see health-related cyber attacks as a probable geopolitical bargaining chip, with attribution a matter of diplomatic contention. In an independent statement on the problem, not coordinated with or based on Kaspersky's research, but arriving at similar conclusions, CNBC quotes former CISA director Krebs to the effect that the familiar four, Russia, China, Iran, and North Korea, are actively engaged in industrial espionage aimed at developments in COVID-19 research. Krebs said yesterday on Face the Nation, quote, The big four, Russia, China, Iran, and North Korea, we have seen to some extent all four of those countries doing some kind of espionage or spying, trying to get intellectual property related to the vaccine. So in this respect, 2021 will witness a continuation of a trend already well established in 2020. To return to Kaspersky's predictions, the security firm also sees cyber criminals as a growing threat to the healthcare sector. Criminals can also be expected to pursue private medical organizations. They not only hold valuable data, but they may be less able to protect it than our better-resourced public health care organizations. As patient data migrates to the cloud, Kaspersky expects criminals to follow. And, of course, medical topics will retain their prominence as fishbait. Writing in HelpNet Security, FutureX offers its take on the near future of encryption— Like every other seer we've consulted, they foretell a greater role for the cloud as cloud-based encryption and key management become more important to financial services in particular. Homomorphic encryption, which encrypts data in use, will see more widespread adoption, as will bring-your-own encryption. BYOE is seen as offering a hedge against certain forms of third-party risk, especially legal and regulatory risk and device manufacturers will increasingly move toward crypto agility, the better to be prepared for quantum computing when it eventually arrives. Looking ahead to the next U.S. administration, 
The Washington Post Cyber 202 lays out the case for significant continuity in cybersecurity policy. The discontinuities are likely to be largely organizational, such as the reappointment of a national cyber coordinator, a position the most recent National Defense Authorization Act reinstated. With respect to safety during the holidays, SpecOps Software emailed us their updated list of the 15 most common and most commonly exposed in breaches holiday-themed passwords. They are, in order, Star, Angel, God, Elf, Jesus, Snow, Carol, Noel, Santa, Chocolate, Gift, Bells, December, Xmas, and Jolly. Piety, affection, and happiness are all excellent, but their expression in credentials is probably a mistake. They're short, they're not random, and they're easily guessed, even by a soulless algorithm. The Wall Street Journal notices an unusual turn in North Korea's self-presentation through social media. Pyongyang's become positively cuddly, with sweet homages to mom and kimchi, not to mention low-key friendly tours of grocery stores and parks, The goal appears to be the rendering of the DPRK as a place where normal people can lead quiet lives. It's unsettling. We're used to seeing over-the-top accusations of how the American fascist hangmen enslaved South Korea, of how the weather was responsible for the late dear leader's moods, even of images of the dear successor hobnobbing with Dennis Rodman. But Mom, we love you. And isn't it wonderful that it's kimchi season again? It's a lot to wrap your mind around. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use. With zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications, so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, Keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business.
And joining me once again is Rick Howard. He is the CyberWire's chief analyst and also our chief security officer. Rick, always great to have you back. Thanks, Dave. You know, Rick, last week on your CSO Perspectives podcast, you mentioned that CISOs and CSOs were not board-designated corporate officers like the CEO or the CFO. Wow, can you put some more alphabet in that, David? <laughs> I know, it's like alphabet soup. Uh, and you said that their titles had been designated to give the appearance of senior weight, but legally they were not equivalent. Um, now, beyond uh, everyone who listened to your show, you know, suddenly have a, a chip on their shoulder when it came to their interactions with the CISOs and the CSOs, <laughs> right? <laughs> Here's the question that came to mind for me. Does it matter? Is it, is it a distinction without a difference? So that is an excellent question. In fact, so good, okay, that I dropped that little hand grenade right on top of the CyberWire's hash table to see what our experts thought. And you know what? It turns out maybe not that much. I was talking to Gary McCallum about this. He's the USAA CSO, and he's been there for like a gazillion years, so he knows where everything is. Uh, and he said that the corporate officer label might help a little, maybe, but it wasn't essential. It can't hurt. But again, you could be designated that. And I guess it would help a little bit. But it's more important is what is the tone at the top, right? What level of support does that person, that position have, regardless of what they're designated as, right? And you could even make a you know, an argument that it also depends on where they're placed in the organization. If they're buried, you know, multiple levels down, do they have the level of visibility they need on this issue? You know, does that indicate the level of support they have or they don't have from from the company? So I think it's one variable uh, among several, um, and I don't think it could do anything but help. But I don't think it's a critical success factor necessarily. So according to Gary, it's much more important for the CSO or the CISO to be part of the C-suite. Can we say C any more times in this thing? (laughs) (laughs) I know. I I mean, does this provide any shielding for them, too, to not be at that level? I mean, can that be a good thing? Is is it protective for the folks who have this role? You know, I don't know. It it seems like it's a legal distinction, okay, for certain uh, regulatory requirements. uh, That's probably not important for the job that the the CSO and the CISO is, is trying to do. It's more important to be seated at the C-suite table as a value contributor, all right? So I don't want to be buried three layers down working for the CIO. I want to be at the table helping the business make decisions. Right, right. So having that seat at the table is really where the rubber meets the road in this case. Exactly. Yeah. It reminds me of, uh, you know, that the joke from The Office, you know, are you the assistant manager or assistant to the manager, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, All right. that's very true. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, it is CSO Perspectives. Uh, Rick Howard uh, talking to the hash table this week. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Dave. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. 
Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And I'm pleased to be joined once again by Betsy Carmelite. She is a senior associate at Booz Allen Hamilton. Uh, Betsy, it is always great to have you back. Uh, you and I have been talking about uh, Booz Allen's recent 2021 Cyber Threat Trends Report. Um, and one of the things I wanted to touch on with you is this notion about supply chain attacks, um, specifically uh, via cloud-hosted development environments. That popped up in the report. Can you share some of the details with us? Yes. Specifically, we're looking at threat actor interests and in targeting platforms as a service solutions where we see the cloud development environments, these cloud-hosted development environments. For a brief background with platform as a service, the customer manages some of the software, but not the underlying hosts and infrastructure. So there's a shared responsibility there. Um, Historically, threat actors have targeted shared libraries, software development kits, and use it as a means to conduct widespread attacks. This is really where they can insert malicious code into benign applications and, and carry out nefarious motives. And so we're seeing as cloud-hosted development environments become more popular, we think these solutions may attract the same illicit activity that other development tools and resources have seen in previous attacks. Can you go through some of the specific risks with us? Sure. With platform as a service, there's really a natural meeting point or convergence of several already tried and true paths of attack. We've seen actors generally have interests in inserting themselves in the dev environment for malicious means, and we've seen threat actors riding on cloud hosting infrastructure for a long time, for example, hosting malware payloads on cloud storage, um, ultimately to cause damage and compromise the places where legitimate software tools and services are being built. So this convergence is another avenue of manipulating the supply chain. Um, So this is where we get to um, impacting the products and subsequent customer deployment downstream. Well, let's go through some of the mitigations there. I mean, how do folks protect themselves against this sort of thing? Sure. So if you're you're the consumer, um, organizations can protect against software supply chain attacks by deploying EDR, endpoint detection and response tools, that may detect anomalous or suspicious behavior by applications, um, including those normally believed to be trustworthy. If you're the software developer, it's a good practice to make extensive use of code signing to secure software components. Um, And those components can include configuration files or scripts and to check the digital signatures of imported libraries or updates. Um, Code signing keys should be stored to prevent those rogue users of the development environment from signing malicious code. And lastly, again, if you're the developer, You should secure your development environments by um, using strict access controls, uh, ensuring prompt deployment of patches. When using cloud-hosted development tools, organizations should consider private cloud deployments um, and those models to provide additional control over the environment. Well, it's the 2021 Cyber Threat Trends Report. Betsy Carmelite, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Dave. And that's the Cyberwire. 
For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. And for professionals and cybersecurity leaders who want to stay abreast of this rapidly evolving field, sign up for CyberWire Pro. It'll save you time and keep you informed. Become legendary. Listen for us on your Alexa smart speaker, too. Don't forget to check out the Grumpy Old Geeks podcast, where I contribute to a regular segment called Security Ha! I join Jason and Brian on their show for a lively discussion of the latest security news every week. You can find Grumpy Old Geeks where all the fine podcasts are listed. And check out the Recorded Future podcast, which I also host. The subject there is threat intelligence, and every week we talk to interesting people about timely cybersecurity topics. That's at recordedfuture.com slash podcast. The CyberWire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Haru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Bond, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Hi, everybody. It's Maria Varmazas here, your host over at T-Minus Space Daily, and sometimes a guest on Hacking Humans, too. We here at N2K CyberWire work hard to bring you concise, intelligence-driven news and commentary, and we'd like to know how we're doing. Please take a few minutes to complete our audience survey and share your feedback to help us continue to grow and meet your needs. Visit cyberwire.com survey. That's cyberwire.com survey to get started. Thanks so much for your input as we reach for the stars. It means the universe to us. And now a word from our sponsor, SpyCloud, the leader in operationalizing cybercrime analytics. Traditional threat intelligence is a thing of the past. Cyber criminals are stealing vast amounts of credentials, session cookies, and financial data every day, and it's hard to keep up. SpyCloud is the trusted partner businesses turn to to fully understand their darknet exposure risk and neutralize threats before it's too late. SpyCloud alerts your organization as soon as an employee or customer's data appears on the darknet, so you can act faster than bad actors to prevent cyber attacks like ransomware, session hijacking, account takeover, and online fraud. With insights from the industry's largest repository of recaptured data, protect the digital identities and systems most important to your business. Get your free corporate darknet exposure report at spycloud.com slash cyberwire and see what information criminals have in their hands today. That's spycloud.com slash cyberwire.